0: Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And thank you so much for joining me and today's guest as we talk about the journey to being a full stack engineer. Uh, My goal today, as always, is to equip listeners to start or continue on their journey to being a full stack engineer. And in case you haven't listened to the podcast before and you're wondering what is a full stack engineer, well, that's a fair question. I define a full stack engineer as someone who's capable of working across multiple silos and moving among multiple layers of the modern data center stack, not just focusing on one IT discipline, but being actively engaged in multiple IT disciplines. Joining me today to talk about the idea of a full stack engineer and whether it's valid and what's involved in that and what he's seen talking to customers as they're adopting technologies
1: is Bob Stamfel. Bob, how are you doing today? Doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. And I first want to say congratulations for The Full Stack Journey podcast being picked up by the Packet Pushers Network. Big congrats on that.
0: Oh, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. I'm super excited. I've known Greg and and Ethan and that crew for quite a while, so I'm I'm, I'm really honored to be part of Packet Pushers and looking forward to working with them more. So, Bob, you and I ran into each other a few months ago. We were in uh, Pittsburgh, I believe it was, and we were there at a VMUG, and you started talking about what you were doing, and I thought that was really, really interesting, and I thought it would make a good... Basis for a discussion on full stack engineering. So, why don't you take a minute and just share with the listeners kind of a little bit about your background, a little bit of where you come from, what you're doing now, that sort of thing. And then we'll jump into the conversation after that.
1: Sounds good. Like you said earlier, my name is Bob Stamful, that are known on the Twitters as Bobby Fantastic. My current position. Today is Senior Transformation Consultant at VMware, and that's in their Transformation Services Practice. So that's a a mouthful of a title there. And uh, what does that actually mean? So in this role, the goal is actually focused a lot on the customer to be able to realize the full benefits of their VMware implementations by fully adopting technology and leading them on a transformation to run IT as a business really transitioning away from the old ways of just being referred to as a big cost center.
0: All right, so if I understand this correctly then, and you jump in Bob if I am interpreting this incorrectly, right? But what you're doing is you're going out and you're talking to customers, customers who are adopting let's say the full range of modern data center technologies, you know, I know that you work for VMware but this is not necessarily going to be a VMware specific discussion. So, you know, they're they're out there doing you know new networking things and new storage things and new compute things, and your job is to help them restructure their operations as an organization to to take advantage of that. Is that is that an accurate interpretation?
1: Yeah, and good point by saying it doesn't have to be just a VMware related technology. As this practice really looks at, I mean, we're software agnostic. We know that. Customers run different tools and different aspects of their organization. Our main goal is to educate, consult, help to strategize from executive level all the way down to operations level and we focus a lot on people process and how that relates to technology
0: okay, so these people are adopting new technologies, these companies are adopting new technologies you know they're trying to to change the way IT operates and the group that you're working in, the practice that you're a part of is assisting them in sort of reshaping how their operations work, how their organization's laid out in order to really be able to take advantage of the technology.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the old saying, everybody's ran into it if they've ever worked in enterprise IT. It's the silos. How can we work faster better, more cohesive across silos. And without being able to communicate, I mean, Ticket as a Service has only taken us so far. In the ecosystem that we're in right now, where we have all this web scale, containers, everything seems to be moving at an unbelievable pace. There's that Ticket as a Service mentality just, cannot exist anymore. So we help organizations look at the now and where they want to end up at. So we also help them see the big picture, devise a strategy, and then we put roadmaps together to actually put a tangible way of getting them to that end goal.
0: You mentioned one of my favorite words, which is silos. You probably heard me in the introduction talk about how I I view full-stack engineering as a pursuit of a a career model where you are working across multiple silos and among multiple layers. Now, before we we, we get to that, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit and, and kind of draw on your experience with customers. And if you can, would you share with the listeners sort of, is this like a real problem? I mean, we talk about the silos a lot. We talk about how organizations are, you know, sort of firewalled, if you will, from one another, how you have the storage group and the networking group and the compute group. I mean, are we overblowing this thing or is this a real operational and organizational challenge for customers based on your experience in going in and talking to, you know, our wide variety of, of customers?
1: So silos, yes. Still a problem, still exists today. I have seen Dozens of customers over the past almost two years here at VMware and almost every organization has the same problems and it is just the lack of speed, the lack of agility throughout an environment. The application owners, the developers, they have all these other options right now of consuming technology, which is public cloud everywhere. and they are just skipping over central it because they cannot meet their demands at all. So yes, I definitely think it's still a problem.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, because, you know, I, I talked on the, on the show about how I feel that as sort of forward looking progressive technologists, we need to be looking beyond the silo in which we originally came up. So if you're a networking professional, you need to be looking beyond the networking silo and you need to be looking at how you can expand your automation knowledge or how you can have a better idea of the applications and how the network affects the applications and the applications affect the network. If you're a storage you know, gal, you need to step beyond the disks and LUNs and volumes and iSCSI and Fiber Channel and, and NFS and the rest of it and begin thinking more about what else is happening in the world and and application level storage, Docker volumes, you know, Kubernetes volume mounts, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a virtualization Person, then it's a it's more about not just being focused on the hypervisor, but also looking at the operating system, the application, also being aware of networking, being aware of security, being aware of storage, all these sort of things. So it sounds like, based on your experience, you know this is is a problem. Like lots of organizations out there are having a problem with their IT organizations just being too siloed, and because of this this artificial division within the different you know, facets of their IT org developers and line of business, uh, whatever business units, I guess would be the term. They're just bypassing them because they need some more speed and agility, more speed and agility than the IT group can currently provide. Does that sound accurate?
1: Yes, that's very accurate. And another reason too that central IT is unable to keep up with demand is just the talent. Seems that, I mean, some people in IT have very long IT careers And whenever I was at a previous position, it was a very large bank, there were storage admins there that have been working on the same frames and the same arrays for the past 30 years. Like they're, that's what they do. They come in each day, they make sure that the storage is up available. And if you need a LUN, you better cut a ticket and they have like a two week SLA to return that. to you. So yes.
0: Okay. So here, I think now we come to sort of the crux of what I really envisioned as our conversation when I first started chatting with you in Pittsburgh. And that is you're approaching this problem with the idea of operational transformation. And that is helping advise and consult with customers about how they need to change procedures and processes and people to take better advantage of the technology.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Right, and I'm approaching this from the perspective of advising the people on saying you need to be looking beyond where you are, right, and looking at these other parts of the business, not just IT, but also the business itself, so that you can understand what it is that you're doing and the impact that has on the business. And we had a a guest, you know, on the show a few episodes back who was talking. A lot about the business side of that. He was a technologist who had moved into management and had a much better understanding of sort of the business aspect of that. And I think that you've got a really good grasp of that as well. So here's the crux, sort of the the key thing then is, do you see, based on sort of how I've defined full stack engineering, do you see operational transformation and full stack engineering as complementary or as competitive and overlapping and, and trying to accomplish the same thing, but in non-complementary ways?
1: So to answer that, yes, I would say that a the term full-stack engineer is definitely a complement to the practice that I work in, the operational transformation piece. And I say that because a full-stack engineer has to look across all of those silos. They don't have to be an expert in each one of those silos, but they at least have to understand how each of those silos interact to provide a desired outcome.
0: Okay. So that's good to hear. Cause that, that gives me a little bit of validation that what I'm talking about here and what I've been talking about for the last, you know, 11 episodes is not totally wacko. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, no doubt. No doubt.
0: So let me ask you this then it, understanding of course that you're working for a services practice where some of this knowledge is stuff that, you know, customers pay for. So I have to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, you can't give away the, the the milk for free, so to speak. Are the sorts of things that you and your team recommend when you go in to talk to a customer? I, I guess if we hone in on like job roles and job knowledge, you know, are you making recommendations to customers to say to a particular you know IT discipline, hey, you need to go over here and learn more about X, Y, or, or Z? I mean, is that the sort of recommendations you're making? And in it and, and part two of this question. If it is, what are some of the the things that you've seen with customers that have been successful in that transition? Like what are some of the things that customers have done that worked?
1: Yeah. Some of the high level parts of the job that I do on a normal basis is it's a lot like the classic movie office space. It's the bobs, right? So the bobs come in and it fits well for me because My name is Bob. So we come in and what we do is a a service called an operational readiness assessment. And we really come in and we find out what your entire organization is doing from an IT perspective, from a business perspective, portfolio, demand, all of those terms. We go and find that all out. We'll talk to... uh, man, up to 50, 60 people in an organization, depending on the size and scale, to find out exactly what their business goals are. And then the first step is to just put that into a presentation and get everybody on the same page. Because I couldn't tell you, I mean, it was a direct quote from one of the customers that the one engagement we were working on was, he said whenever he deployed a virtual machine, He wipes his hands and he never wants to know what even goes on that virtual machine once an operating system is laid down on it. That's not the way to be successful in an organization. So you should have skin in the game at every step. We should be working more as a partnership and that's how we present that to our customers.
0: So Bob, if I, if I boil down what you were just talking about there, as you were talking about coming in and doing this operational readiness assessment and getting all these parties involved to kind of understand what's happening and all the different pieces that are involved, it it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like, you know, you, you even use the phrase, everybody needs to have some skin in the game. It sounds like really partnership is sort of the name of the game here. I mean, is that, is that right?
1: Yes, definitely. Partnership is number one on the list. Like establishing that partnership, that trust, that accountability for the service that you provide your organization to make the business overall successful is, it's just crucial.
0: Okay. So let's see if we can't drill into this a little bit with, and give, because, you know, I'm all about like specifics for, for listeners. Are there specific examples of things that you have recommended to customers or that you've seen customers do that has helped Build those partnerships. So uh, I want you, as you as you think about this topic, think about the average listener to the podcast who is you know a gal or a guy out there, and they're they're thinking, okay, this is great. You know, Scott and Bob are up here talking about you know being a better partner with my IT org, with the rest of my IT org. But how do I actually go about doing that? Like, what's what's
1: what's it look like in day to day life?
0: Do you have some examples that might help that average listener?
1: Yeah, definitely. One of the most successful things that is just so easy to do is to get representatives from the different silos into a a meeting room or a conference room. And step one is just to have a conversation, you know, break bread, have a brown bag, just have general conversation. Get to know the people that are in your organization that are outside the four cubes that are around you. So communication, which you would think that you wouldn't have to tell adults that are mostly very intelligent that they just need to communicate. Communication is step number one.
0: All right. So, you know, one one piece of advice for listeners might be get out there and meet your coworkers in your IT organization. Have have lunch with somebody in another in another group within IT, you know, have have lunch with the networking team or have lunch with the storage team or or the security team or whatever the case may be, just not your own team, right? Some other team to begin to understand what they're doing and what their challenges are and how, what they're doing and what you're doing both go together to support the business. Is that, is that accurate?
1: That would definitely be accurate. It's just the communication aspect is a, it's a huge issue in almost every account that we go into and We see it often whenever we do, we start off an engagement. We have a kickoff meeting, and this just happened recently, that they flew in the network people from one state. They brought in everybody from different floors, and this was the first time that they had ever been in a room together ever. I mean, we were doing, like, introductions for them. So it's just – it happens in everyone's organization, so don't be ashamed if you're listening and you're like, Oh man, i don't know anybody on the load balancing team. Just reach out, say hi, see what they're doing, how they do things.
0: One of the interesting things that has has come to mind a lot of times as I have this discussion about moving beyond your own i t discipline into other i t disciplines so if you're a uh, you know someone who has traditionally been more of an operating system or hypervisor person. Encouraging you to learn more networking, or if you're someone who's traditionally a bit more of a networking person, encouraging you to learn some operating system stuff and some some automation that sort of thing right is a lot of times as these individuals begin to broaden their skill sets, they encounter some fear from others in the organization who are perhaps threatened by the tack they're taking right so Perhaps you're a professional who has traditionally specialized in operating systems and hypervisors, and now you're trying to to bone up on networking skills. And I I mention this one because I think it's a very common sort of scenario, right? And then the networking team's like, no, 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 that's our job. You don't need to mess with that. Do you have any advice for listeners who may be running into that and maybe some suggestions for how they can make this less threatening, if you will?
1: Yeah, this is another thing that is very common to our practice and what we recommend is to just find an issue or find a new technology that you're trying to implement and try to do things together. Just partner with that other team, find that person that has the motivation, the drive on that networking team and say, hey, let's figure out this problem together. And what we really want to do is get these IT professionals in that DevOps type of mindset, and we want them to start collaborating more and more.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you a little bit here, Bob, because in, in my presentations, I always talk about how I hate people using the term DevOps, mostly because it's used incorrectly. So just to see, what is your idea when you say get people into sort of a DevOps mindset?
1: In a DevOps mindset, I will first say that it is not a SKU. It is not a product that you can buy. It is a mindset, a mentality of working together. And it doesn't have to be at first devs and ops as developers and operations people. It can just be ops ops. So operations, working with other operations people. You know, start that partnership serving i t for i t and then once you have mastered that even just basic communication process, you could m- maybe take that up to branching out to the application team and <laughs> figuring out what applications are running on the v m s or and operating systems that you're providing to them okay all right you're you're good then
0: because you're using DevOps in a more appropriate sense. You know, I, I really, I don't know about you, but it really kind of just, I guess to, to take the phrase, it, it yanks my last nerve when somebody comes in and talks about putting in a DevOps tool.
1: Oh, yes.
0: You know, or or whatever. So anyway, we digress. <laughs> uh, sorry, listeners. Don't mean to go off on a rant on you, but you know, that, that's how it is. So, okay. So, so the idea is that you want, when we've talked about this a little bit, so I just want to wrap this up before we can move on. You've talked a lot about you know how a lot of this is cultural, a lot of it is is you know improving communications between teams and departments. It's about working together for a common goal. It's about building bridges for the purpose of of saying, okay, I, I need a networking person and a storage person to help me because we're getting ready to, to implement a new container orchestration framework, and this container orchestration framework is going to affect. All of these groups, and I and I want to I want to bring them all together, and we'll all work together to on this on this project. And and in so doing, you, you create relationships, you you kind of build these natural knowledge exchange mechanisms, that sort of thing. Would you say that's that's a reasonable you know summary of what we discussed so far?
1: Yes, that's that's a great summary, and I just want to add one last thing onto there is another big miss that we see IT organizations do is that they do not internally market their successes or plans to the rest of the organization. They keep it very in-house and they don't showcase their capabilities. So I know in some large organizations, you'll see that they'll put up posters in the elevator banks or they'll say, XYZ software is coming, get ready, and then flash up some keywords of, Uh, the cool features that's going to be available there. You know, you want to showcase the talent that you have in-house and all the great things that you're doing in the background. And that just sparks interest.
0: Gotcha. So another takeaway for listeners would be, you know, sometimes as technologists, we have sort of a knee-jerk reaction to the idea of marketing. Like, oh, I'm not a marketing person. I'm a technologist. As if, you know, they are like different species or something. Uh, so I guess the, the key takeaway for listeners there would be, it's okay to market yourself and your team a little bit.
1: No doubt. And I mean, that, that just goes back to, I guess the theme of this so far has just been communicate. If the business knows what it is doing and it knows what the business is doing, you're going to have a greater chance of success.
0: Okay. All right. That's a, that's certainly a, a great sort of nugget. To take away for listeners, and that is that if if you know if you're doing a good job of communicating and listening, then other teams are gonna have a better idea of what you're doing, gonna be better prepared to help you, and you're gonna be better prepared to help them. Now I wanna I wanna shift the discussion just a bit, Bob, and focus a little more on the individual. Let's think in the context of an individual professional who is today primarily doing hypervisors and operating systems, or primarily doing storage, you're primarily doing network, you're primarily doing security or, or something like that, right? Not just those disciplines, but something like that. Based on your experience, you know, talking to customers and helping them through this operational transformation process. Are there some common, let's say patterns that you see where it's been successful for individuals to say, if they start at position a, then a natural sort of next thing for them to do is B, which then leads to C. Does that make sense?
1: It it does. I think stepping back just slightly is just you have to make sure that an individual has the drive and the want and they don't have a problem with asking my favorite question, which is why? Why are we doing it this way? Why have we done it this way? It's just it's all depending on the individual's just drive and, and want to learn more and progress throughout their career. If I had to drill it down to more of a, an actual position, I think anyone that's in the, the virtualization space, especially like maybe a, a VI admin, engineer, they have a great opportunity in front of them because all of those... Technologies combine into one. So, I mean, if you have access to Virtual Center, you have the ability to look at storage information, network information, all kinds of compute information, all the way up to the application layer. And for them, I think it's a great opportunity to understand what all these different components are and how they work together.
0: Okay, all right. I can see your point. I think I've actually made that point a few times in some Vmug presentations, kind of telling VI admins and, and, and VI engineers, and both of us dating ourselves, by the way, by the use of VI <laughs> and, and the term virtual center. But um, you're telling these, these admins and engineers, you're sort of sitting in the middle of a bunch of adjacent technologies. So you're adjacent to networking. You're adjacent to storage. You're adjacent to security. You're adjacent to operating systems and you're adjacent to applications. And as such, you're kind of in a good position to move into any of those. I would also, as, a, as an aside, also say that you're in a good position. If you're in that position, you're also in a good position to be the facilitator to help connect all those groups because you're connected to all the, ideally you're connected to all those groups. So you can help be the piece that connects storage and networking or, or networking and security, for example. Because they, they all connect to you, right? Yeah, no
1: doubt about that.
0: Yeah. So I certainly, certainly agree that from a, from an individual's perspective, it has to be pushed by their, by their drive. It has to be sort of, there has to be a fire, a desire, you know, to grow. I think if they're listening to this podcast, they probably have that desire. So assuming that's the case, I'll go back to the sort of the first question again is, are there common patterns that you see where a traditional network person might go next where a traditional server hypervisor person might go next where a traditional storage person might go next. Have, I mean, are there any sort of observations you can draw based on your experience with customers?
1: Yeah, what I've seen that works out most successful is starting off with the like virtual cloud team, especially whenever you you step into the whole I want to go something as a service and you're doing it in-house or on the public cloud. You have to bring all these technologies together and all these compliances together, security, the load balancing, all of that stuff. So what I really see is that these teams start to work together, and this is like my ops for ops, as I referenced before where the DevOps kind of mixes in here, is that everybody learns from each other and then starts to, take little pieces and responsibilities from those other people and you're just really stepping into a higher trust sort of organization you want to move into that blameless organization you want to learn as a team fail as a team that's where i really see the best chance of people moving from discipline to discipline
0: Okay. So there, you know, there are a few things that I picked out out of there. And, and one interesting thing that I'd like to hone in on in just a moment, but a couple of interesting things that I picked out that I want to highlight for listeners. One is it, it comes back again to culture and that is creating a blameless team, right? Um, a team that's not um, afraid of failing because through, it's through failure that we learn. Not that we want to just, you know, go out and like fail spectacularly and cause our business to go bankrupt, but you know, I mean like we can't be so afraid of failure that we don't ever try anything to improve. So, you know, an appropriate um, fear of failure, but also an appropriate uh, level of willing to take some risks. But I think the interesting thing that, that really jumped out to me right there, Bob, was that it's sort of a, uh, in your experience, it's been a cloud team and efforts of moving into a cloud, either public or private that really starts to bring these, these things together. Is that, is that a common sort of pattern a common thing that you see happening a lot?
1: Yeah, it's it's actually one of the most common. There has to be that 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 reason to, for them to get together, and it spurs interest because it's a new way of doing things that they've done repetitively, maybe boringly, for the past X amount of years. So now you are gaining some excitement throughout that organization because hey, we're going to do something new which everybody loves something new, it's just, it's sparking that culture again. It's getting people interested. There hasn't been any other technology or concept per se that has brought together those silos. Other than, I mean, we've started with virtualization, but with the basic virtualization, you know, you put your ticket in for a virtual machine and, hey I'll get it to you in a week now the demand and the expectation is it went from months to days now it's days to hours and with these newer technologies especially in the container space you know we're talking about seconds milliseconds so for us to be able to deliver that the teams have to work so much closer together everyone has to be able to know what everyone else is doing and uh, just to be able to deliver it at that speed, yeah collaboration
0: yeah collaboration communication uh, I think are are sort of the the big themes from our discussion tonight, which is no surprise to me to be honest. This is something that I believe to be the case, and hearing you talk about it just sort of affirms that many organizations need to deal more effectively with the communication within the i t organization and the communication from the i t organization to the rest of the business. Uh, as well as you know how, how we collaborate and work together. And it's not just about tools, right? It's not just about Slack or IRC or instant messaging or Skype or whatever the case may be. It's about establishing effective communication. It's about establishing relationships that will help you help other people and help them help you.
1: Yes, uh, I definitely agree with everything you just said there. And I will add one more thing is that for any of the executives or aspiring executives, a very important piece that we commonly see is that there is not a well communicated strategy to where IT is going and how that is going to align and enable the business to accomplish their goals. So it always seems that their strategy just doesn't exist. Or it's not communicated at all. So to all of the middle managers that may be listening, make sure you're as transparent as possible from top to bottom. You want that help desk person to understand that just churning through tickets is just not an MBO of how many tickets you can close in a day, week, or month. Those tickets that you're closing enables functions of the business. So having the mindset of a business first mentality and understanding that your actions in IT affect revenue coming into that business, that that will bring everybody together.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point, Bob. I, I, I can't tell you how much I've talked about that and tried to reinforce that, not only here on the podcast, but in presentations I do and all that, because really you know, it's not about servers. It's not about networks. It's not really even about applications. It's all about what we do to support what our business is trying to do, whether that be make software or make tires or manage people's money or take care of people's lives. Like whatever that is, that's really what we're all, you know, in there to do, right? That's why we do what we do. That's why we build servers and, and, Manage clouds and and have storage. All that is to accomplish something the business is trying to do. I think as technologists, we, we just so often lose sight of that and get lost in the the tree of technology. The trees of technology and can't see the forest of what we're trying to accomplish.
1: Right, and that, I think it's a it's a maturity thing too. I I know from myself. I mean, just throughout my career, I was very tech focused, hands on keyboard and. I unfortunately have to confess that I didn't know all of the (laughs) business goals of all the organizations that I worked for. And that to me was a big realization as I uh, matured in personal and professional life. So it's I love the technology. I love the blinking lights in the data center. But it never translated to dollars coming in. And maybe it's just because IT professionals – don't have that interaction with, you know, the cold calling, the selling to understand the revenue function of a, of a company.
0: Yeah, you might be right. Certainly. But you know, if we can keep having conversations like this and helping get the word out, then hopefully we can, we can inspire a new generation of of it professionals who are business focused, but still love the technology and are aware of how, how, what they do it with with and in the technology affects and translates to business success or business failure. So a couple real quick, like sort of fast fire questions. Sure. I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on the role of uh, this idea of infrastructure as code when it comes to organizations being successful with operational transformation and as individuals, as they move into this, you know, the idea of a full stack engineer?
1: So infrastructure as code is a great, great, great opportunity for internal IT to start thinking and acting like a developer. They can take, just think of like uh, blueprints that you write for like your favorite cloud management portal. So what you can do is you can take those blueprints and you can start dropping them into some sort of version control. And then... From there, move on to, as, as you mature, obviously, there's, you know, the continuous integration, building out uh, automated testing environments. And finally, moving into continuous deployment, touching on configuration management, all those tools, Ansible, Puppet, Chef, Salt, all those guys. So infrastructure as code is a real thing, and it's a great place to start. Awesome. Glad to hear you
0: say that because I love infrastructure as code and we've talked about it extensively here on the, on the show. And it's something that I want to continue to talk about. I, I'll, I'll wrap up with one final question and, and I'd love to get your thoughts and I'll share my thoughts uh, as we, as we get ready to close. I, I've been thinking a lot about if there were just one thing, and I think there's are probably more than one thing, but if I had to limit it <laughs> down to just one thing that defines a full stack engineer more than anything else if there were one sort of direction one initiative that that was the most def- defining aspect of the journey towards being a full stack engineer the the thing i keep coming back to is automation
1: yeah i i can't disagree with you there i'll let you continue no no i
0: mean it just because it doesn't really matter like you know that that term sort of encompasses infrastructure as code. It encompasses the, the the types of things we're trying to do, where we're getting away from from the the doing the mundane, you know, closing tickets. Right. I mean, yes, that's important, but but we want to we want to move past the mundane, move past the keeping the lights on stuff, so that we can begin to add value in more strategic ways, like finding new ways to save the company money or make more money, right? Um, and, and automation seems to capture that most essentially for me. So I don't know. What what do you think about that? Like, if there's one thing, you know, we would talk about full stack engineering and, and in the context of operational transformation, if there was one thing
1: that sort of embodied that journey to you, what would it be? On a full stack engineer? Yes. Automation, uh, just from the most broadest generalist fashion, it has to exist. And to just, I mean, at the very, very least, I'm, I'm not asking for people to just go out and learn Python, Go, Ruby, you name it, because there there's, there's so many languages out there. But to be able to have the understanding of how to read code, interpret code, that's where you have to first start, just to understand the, the basics of it. Because automation, it, it's almost everywhere now and it's only going to become more and more a part of our daily lives i mean now we're talking about ai i mean ai is all it's it's becoming a real thing It's, it's crazy and they're not doing that by right clicking and deploying from a template so they're they're doing these things automatically programmatically repetitively successfully
0: yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. All right. So we're, we're reaching the end of our, of our time here together, which is kind of a shame because I was really enjoying our discussion, but we have to make sure that we don't overwhelm listeners with, uh, episodes that are too long. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll have to reconvene in, in six months or a year or something and see, you know, kind of a, a benchmark. Here's where things are, you know, in, in, early to mid 2017, right? Here's where things are, you know, about this time next year or something like that. But we'll, 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 re- we'll revisit that uh, off offline, of course. So just as we get ready to, to wrap up, I, I wonder, I know, Bob, you mentioned that you were active on Twitter. Do you have any other sort of uh, contact information you wanted to share with listeners? Give them your Twitter ID again, if you have a website or, or anything of that nature, you'd like to point them to uh, so that they can, you know, maybe see what you're being involved in. That would, that would be great.
1: Yeah, there is a, a blog's part of for the operational transformation practice at VMware. So that's under uh, VMware.com in the in the blog section. There, okay. we we'll can put that uh, link in the show notes. Very active on Twitter. Uh, the name is at Bobby Fantastic, and there's a one instead of a an I on the end because somebody sniped Bobby Fantastic before me. So. There is another Bobby fantastic in this world. (laughs) All right. But, but you're the Bobby fantastic with a one
0: instead of an I at the end. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Awesome. Well, Hey Bob, thanks so much for being on the show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I think the idea of operational transformation and full stack engineering are, are, are very aligned with what we're trying to accomplish. So I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing what you've seen work at, at customers who are undergoing operational transformation and, uh, and and giving, you know, listeners some some practical ideas that they can take away and, and really put to work.
1: Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. And I will still continue to listen as I have on each release. It's been great. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Listeners, thanks
0: again for for tuning in. I am so thankful that you took the time to share with us today I hope uh, my conversation with Bob Stamfell on operational transformation and full stack engineering was useful and that you got some, some valid information out of it. Um, as always, if you want to contact us on uh, online, you can follow me personally at Scott underscore low on Twitter or visit my website, blog.scottlow.org. The website for the show, fullstackjourney.com, is still up right now, but it will be transferring over to packetpushers.net. Um and so you'll see that happen, if not before this show goes live, shortly after the show goes live. It's all a matter of getting everything lined up for that that piece, but we are part of Packet Pushers now. So we're we're super excited about that and looking forward to many more episodes moving forward. If you'd like to hit us up on Twitter at FSJ Podcast, you can reach me. Um, I'm the only one behind the podcast right now, but you can hit me on the podcast front and uh, watch for stuff uh, from there as well about full stack engineering. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon.